Isn't it great to be reminded of some of those real core truths of just about who God is? It's awesome. Please grab a seat. As Kev mentioned, we are sitting in this February series of Let's Go. And I love uh, how Kev just set that up last week. Let's go with vision, a vision of what God's calling us to, a vision of not only what He's calling us to as individuals, but as a church family, but as the church. Um, And it's been really good to be part of that. And so today we're looking at let's go into the harvest. Now, I don't know if just saying that word brings any images to mind for you, um, because it's something that, you know, we we generally are not farmers. We are not living, um, you know, this subsistence lifestyle where we're growing our own food and doing all that. So for some of us, this might not resonate probably as well as it did to the original audience where Jesus was talking about this. Um, But I think we have a good enough grasp of what we're talking about. But if not, let me just use an analogy with pumpkins. Um, I remember as a kid, uh, I did not like pumpkin at all. So Dad thought the way to make me eat pumpkin, he would mix it in with the potato and mash it all together so he would have this orange mashed stuff nearly every night. Meat and three veg. Um, Some of you grew up with meat and three veg. And that was the only way I would eat pumpkin. But palates change and I don't mind it now actually. Um, Not that we eat it a whole lot. Uh, But here's a picture of a pumpkin. If you've ever cut one open and you notice the number of seeds that are in a pumpkin, um, there's more than just a few quite often. And in each of those seeds is the potential for exponential growth in in terms of more pumpkins being produced if put in the right environment. Now, I think we understand this process. So if we take one of the seeds or a few of them and we plant them, so we're deliberate about where, where we put them, what we're doing with them, where we're placing them, the environment in which they're placed. If we're really deliberate about that, at some point there'll be some germination that happens. Now, that's not how it would look because that's been uncovered, the soil there, to actually show that it's starting to germinate. But in that potential of that one seed, we see that eventually something starts to sprout. And again, in the right environment, when that's being watered and that's being cared for, potentially we end up with, from the seeds of one pumpkin, a field of pumpkins. And then we could take the seeds of all those pumpkins that are in that field and we could plant them again and we would get even more fields. And I think we understand that process in the natural. And so what we want to explore today is Jesus is bringing that understanding of how it works in the natural into a spiritual place and saying, this is what I want you to be about. Planting seeds, watering seeds and doing that. So... To get to that in the natural, we know that a seed has to be taken and it has to be buried. Look what Jesus said about that dynamic. He said, I'll tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat, he wasn't talking pumpkins, he was talking wheat, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. 
And so there, there's the thing. If we want to hold on to, in this image, if we want to hold on to our life as a seed and we don't want to die to ourselves, we want to just keep the seed safe and secure and, and care for the seed and it's all about the seed and I just want my seed to look good and I want, you know, I want to share what my seed looks like on social media and all those things. If we're not willing to let that seed die... Then Jesus is saying here, well, you know, there's eternal consequences in that. See, a core belief, I think we need to understand, just like we've been singing this morning, a core belief is about God's goodness and God's faithfulness. A core belief here is that God is at work in the world. God is at work in drawing every single human being back into relationship with himself. Now we could look around at some people we know and some people that are in the world and think, maybe, really? Is that really happening? But when we look at the truth of Scripture, God is at, in the business of, it's his mission, he's in the business of drawing people back to himself. That's what he's about. And because he's about that, his desire, and this is clear through Scripture as well, is that none should perish. His desire is that every person will come into that saving relationship with himself. Peter, Peter reminds us of that. There's a passage in 2 Peter chapter 3 and he says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some think he may be. Instead, he's being patient, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. See, Jesus has declared that the harvest is ready, and we'll look at that shortly. The harvest is ready. And that is, his mission, he declared that because the harvest is ready, his mission in the world, and that's the mission that he passed on to his disciples and to us, so that mission is to see each of us involved in the process of producing a harvest for the kingdom of God. God calls each of us to be involved in that process. If we go back to that physical analogy of the pumpkin seeds, those pumpkin seeds generally don't jump out of the pumpkin themselves and go and place themselves strategically in a well-prepared plot of soil. They don't do that. We need to be involved in the process that will bring a harvest for the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is referring to when he uses the word harvest is, is eternal life. Eternal life with God. So let's look at a story about a woman from Samaria. If you've been around church for a little bit of time, you've probably heard this story. And so just to set it up, Jesus and his disciples are passing through this area called Samaria, which is uh, a bit of land above um, sort of Jerusalem. And the Samarians were people that came from a Jewish background, but they had been tainted and they had interbred with some other people. And, and so to the Jewish people, they were unclean. They were, they were outcasts. And so most Jewish people would avoid the area of Samaria. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. How does that? Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Um, so they would, they would avoid this area. And there's a story where Jesus and his disciples are passing through that and Jesus stops at a well, a well-known well, uh, Jacob's well, and his disciples are going, we're going to go into the town here and we're going to get some food. Jesus says, I'm just going to hang out here, I'm going to rest. 
Anyway, a woman comes out to get some water because she'd lived a pretty dodgy life. She didn't want to come and get water at the time when all the other women came and got water because they would give her a hard time because of the life she's living. And so she comes in the middle of the day, which is not the right time to get water, and Jesus is there resting. And there's this encounter. So he has this encounter with the woman. He basically reveals who he is. And she's so excited by that news because remember the Sumerians have a bit of a Jewish background. So she's so excited that he could be the Messiah that they've been waiting for that she rushes back to town to tell some people. Now I found that interesting because she was actually an outcast in her own town. But she goes back so excited by this news of this guy she's met out at the well that she's willing to tell anyone, even those who don't like her. Because she's got some good news to share. Anyway, all that happens, and then we pick up the story from here. So, G- so Jesus explained, because the disciples had come back saying, oh, why don't you want some food? And he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me, and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. And as we read continuing into the book of Acts when we see the disciples go out and start spreading the news we see that many people in Samaria started to follow Jesus so he was predicting what would happen there they would start to see a harvest and so I read that and I just have to ask myself when was the last time I looked at the people around me and saw them with the eyes of Jesus and saw the harvest waiting to be gathered saw people longing for meaning and purpose and eternity to be part of their story and we've got the good news to offer. When was the last time we looked around at the people around us and saw a harvest waiting to be gathered? Now we've touched on this over the last couple of weeks and in fact this passage that I'm about to show you out of Matthew's gospel I think we've used over the last couple of weeks. Because what we need, I think, to have the eyes of Jesus is to have that heart, to have that motive, to have that compassion for other people who are lost. And I just have to think back a little bit about my own journey and go, I can get that because there was a time when I was lost. When I felt something about there's got to be some meaning to life more than what I'm experiencing and someone told me about Jesus. And so in Matthew's Gospel we read this. Jesus travelled through all the towns and villages of that area. This is around Galilee. Teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Another translation says, when he saw the crowds, his heart broke for them. And he said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. So Lord of the harvest is a title, is a name given to God. 
Lord of the harvest. And Jesus is there with his disciples saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest that there would be people who can go in and, and, and do the work that's needed, say the things that are needed so we start to see people step into this eternal life with God. And if you follow this story, so this is in Matthew chapter 9, if you read Matthew chapter 10, really interesting. So Jesus looked at the people around him, made the disciples notice them, and said, hey, it's ready for harvest. You need to pray about it. So if we identify that the harvest is ready, what should our prayer be? Lord, will you send someone to go into doing the work in that harvest? Is that the prayer we should all be praying? Or is it a little bit like we see many times throughout Scripture where we say, maybe the prayer is, Lord, here I am, send me. Because maybe the only person that can step into your workplace who can bring the good news of Jesus is you. Maybe the only person in your classroom who can bring the good news of Jesus is you. Maybe the only person in your family who can bring the good news of Jesus is you. And what I find amusing is when we read chapter 10 of Matthew, it's the disciples who are sent into those towns to start to gather the harvest. Jesus says to them, hey guys, notice the harvest is there. Start praying that someone will go and do it. And then Jesus goes, and now you guys can go and do it. I think we'll discover that we will be part of the answer to our prayer if we pray that others get the opportunity to hear the good news about Jesus. So I love how Jesus uses images that we can actually understand. So in this case, he's talking about harvest. You know, he said to a bunch of fishermen earlier in the Gospels, hey, come and hang out with me and I'll teach you how to fish for people. He actually uses language that makes sense in the natural. And so Paul picks up on this as well. When we read a lot of Paul's letters to churches, okay, we need to take note of that because we are a church, we are a family, and there's a lot of good instruction in that for us to know how do we operate in this same sphere? How do we be a group of people who reaches into the, to the areas around us, the field around us to bring that harvest? So I want to look at two little passages that Paul writes where he talks about this. So the first one's in his letter to the Romans and he says, I do, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you but have been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles. So again, Paul's using this language of harvest, meaning people coming into relationship with Jesus, people starting to follow Jesus, people coming into the kingdom of God and having that eternal life with God. Also in uh, his letter to the Corinthians, he says this, he says, I planted the seed in your hearts because at this church, people were arguing over, are we following Paul's teaching or Apollos' teaching? And Paul's going, ha, it doesn't matter. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work, for we are both God's workers and you are God's field. 
I don't know how often we stop and think about the people we engage with at work, at school, at uni, in our neighbourhood, even in our own home and see it as here's God's field, here's, here's people waiting to be invited into this good news of life with God, life with Jesus, this eternal life that has purpose and meaning and joy and peace and hope and all those beautiful things that we strive for in life and we can be part of that planting or that watering or that harvesting process that sees people coming into relationship with God. So sowing seeds, watering seeds. Sometimes I think we won't know what we're doing, whether we are sowing seeds in someone's life or whether we're watering seeds that have already been sown. But either way, we're called to sow and to water. And when people encounter Jesus through this, when we start to see the growth happen from the sowing and the watering, when we start to see people coming into meeting Jesus in that place and starting to see some growth and maturity, that's what brings that life change, that eternal life that we're talking about. So I'm going to finish with one more parable where Jesus talks about this idea of sowing. You've probably heard this if you've been around church for a little while. But just to set it up, so there's a bunch of people, a large crowd following him. And so Jesus gets to a place around the Sea of Galilee. He gets himself into a little boat. He pushes out from shore a little bit. And just the natural amphitheater of the surroundings, you've got all these people gathered on the shore and he just speaks to them. Um, and started teaching what, what we call in the Bible parables. So stories that that have a meaning on the surface, but there is a deeper layer of meaning if you're able to, to push into that. And so Jesus tells this parable. He says, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand." So remember, we are called to sow seeds or water the seeds that have been previously sown. And I think we can look at this in two ways. We can look at this in the way that this is seed that we are going to sow. Or we can look at this also in the way that this is seed that has already been sown into our life. What sort of soil are you? What sort of soil exists when we are sowing seeds into those people in our lives? And so Jesus gives an answer to this. So I want to take each of the four. So first of all, as he scattered the seeds across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. And Jesus says later in this passage, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So I can imagine a field 
And so there's a field where people have walked pretty regularly, maybe around the outside or maybe some passages through the middle. And that footpath, the bit that's been trodden on regularly becomes hard. So when the seed lands on that hard soil, it doesn't penetrate in. And because it's just sitting on the surface, the birds can come and grab it and and eat it and take it. And so there are people, it could be you sitting here this morning, it could be you listening uh, on YouTube, it could be people in our lives. There are people whose hearts are just hard. And when we talk about Jesus, when we sow seeds about who he is and the kind of life he wants to invite us into, sometimes that it just does not penetrate. And it's snatched away. And then the second category here, we see other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. And Jesus explains, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. I think that's pretty sobering to think could that be me has that been me in the past I, I can look at my life and go yeah I think for a while I had fairly shallow soil I remember as a 13 year old responding to an altar call at a church and going forward and saying okay um, I think I want to be part of this Christians thing and uh, I'm in and then it wasn't long after that that I didn't want to be in and it didn't mean anything to me. And I look at that and go, there was pretty shallow soil there for a while. You can hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But as soon as some problems arise... So maybe we've been told the wrong thing. Maybe... We've been told at times, hey, if you just accept Jesus, it's going to make your whole life better. Everything's going to be sweet. You'll be happy and healthy and wealthy, and that's what following Jesus is all about. And then you discover it doesn't actually work like that. And so you give up on it. Well, this whole God thing must be rubbish. There are people around us who may receive with joy something when we sow some seeds about Jesus and the kind of life he wants to have with them. But let's not be discouraged if we see them fade away because it's it's a case of shallow soil. How can we start to spend more time with those people and till that soil so it becomes a healthier, deeper soil? So we move into the third category. And so other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. So Jesus says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. This, for me, is pretty confronting. I've shared my story many times about my Christian walk and 
I reckon for a, a lot of years, I would have been probably in that category. The message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Basically, the way I read that is the, the message is crowded out because I, I had, did not for many years have Jesus as Lord of my life. I still wanted to be Lord of my life. And I wanted Jesus to be an addition. I wanted Jesus to be like an insurance um, policy that gets me into heaven because I believe the right things. But I didn't want him to be Lord of my life. And so he was crowded out by the worries of this life, the things that concern me, the things that I want to pursue, the things that it was all about me. And so no fruit was produced. Wonder what that might be like for you sitting there today. Can we, can we hold a mirror up to ourselves? Can we look at the people we've been sharing Jesus with and go, I wonder if that's the type of soil that's at work there. And then we have the fourth category. So still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 or even 100 times what had been planted. And Jesus explains that. He says, The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even 100 times as much as been planted. So that's the picture that we, we want to be. We want to be that good soil. And I can look at my own life and go, up to the point of where I am now, it's taken decades to go from being footpath to being that shallow soil to being mixed in with weeds and having the Jesus life choked out through to being hopefully good soil now. It's been a process. And that process, when I can look at it with this analogy, is that it took many years, decades of people tilling that soil me rubbing shoulders with people who kept telling me about Jesus and his faithfulness and his love for me and his plan for me. And it, and it took years and years and years to get to the point where the soil was deep enough and good enough that the seeds that had been planted over all those years actually started to bear some fruit. And my hope and prayer is that in my life personally, that soil goes from bearing maybe... 30-fold to, to 60 to 100-fold at some point as, as I just do more life with God. Because that's the picture God has for each of us. And all of us have this journey. I don't know, I, I can't think of a person, and I'm sorry if you're offended because I'm not thinking of you, I can't think of a person who is just good soil from the Word going and is producing a 100-fold. I've ne not met someone like that. And if that is you and I haven't met you, I'm sorry. Um, well done. But here's this picture. We are called to sow seeds. We are called to water the seeds that have been sown. And that's towards others. But for ourselves, we have a responsibility to make sure that the soil in which the seeds are sitting is good soil. And, the, and I was thinking about this. How do we get to the point where we, where we, our lives, are good soil? And the only thing I could come up with is we, we can only do this together. We, we can't land in a place, I don't think, where, where personally I'm good soil if I'm isolated from the rest of the soil. 
Like one little pot plant full of soil. We all know a pot plant has limitations. Anyway, there's so many things going on that I... Yeah, sorry about that. Hope I'm not confusing you. Um, so where I want to land. When we look at the reality of what Jesus says life is about, one picture he uses is this picture of a harvest. And he says the harvest is ready. And the harvest is ready because seeds have been sown and seeds have been watered and, and things are just ripe to come into that uh, eternal reality of life with Jesus. Step into that eternal life with God. People are ready to do that. And so we want to be called to be the ones who go, Lord, send me into the harvest. And as I go into that harvest, there may be some people that, that are harvested into the kingdom through my presence being there. But even if that happens or that doesn't happen, my role is to keep planting seeds and to keep watering the seeds. My role is to keep nurturing the soil that's in my own life and help nurture the soil that's in lives of others. Because Jesus is at work in his world. Jesus' plan is to use the church, to use you and I to bring people into relationship with him, to bring people into the kingdom of God, just like you and I have been brought into the kingdom of God. And so when we do this together, when this is our focus, when this is what the Christian life is about, I can't help but think we will land at a place where we go, man, I am so blessed to give my life to this that my life isn't about me and my needs and my want and building my kingdom my life is for given for the sake of others so that others may come to know Jesus that's the picture we see in scripture and so as coast community we're saying let's go let's go into the harvest let's with more intention I'm looking around I know quite a few lives here there are people who have been doing this for decades in your own spheres of influence can I just say keep keep going and for those of us who may not have had an idea of this let's say let's step into this and let's step into it together and let's encourage one another and let's equip one another and let's be a people who go you know what because I'm loved by Jesus and because I have relationship with him through his indwelling spirit I just want to share that with others I simply want to let Jesus use my life to share that with others so that others will come to know him. That's worth giving your life to. Let's go with that. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you love us enough to call us into life with yourself, that you've paved the way for that through your son, which we just celebrated through remembering communion and celebrating communion together. I thank you that you then give us your Holy Spirit to indwell in us, to make us the kind of people who, who are good soil, make us the kind of people where there is growth and maturity, make us the kind of people who have a heart and a compassion for others, that we want to sow seeds and water those seeds so that they would grow up and come to know you. Lord, I pray that you call us, I thank you that you call us to do this together. I thank you that you love us enough that when we surrender to you, you will use us for your glory and for your purposes in this world.
I just pray for each of us here today, for those listening online, for those at both our campuses. I pray that we would have the courage and the compassion and the willingness to say, send me. Lord, use me to bring a harvest into your kingdom. Use me to be that sower or that waterer or whatever other picture you paint for us. Use me, use us to be people who have a heart for others so that your glory would just flow through this world. Your kingdom would come. And so, God, I ask that this week, today, we would be people who may even say with a a fresh, may even just for the first time possibly, say this is what I want my life to be about. Sharing you with others. And God, would you take that, the little bit that we can give and use it for your glory. Amen.